Skip protocol is with us. Let me just approve the request to speak. And then I can see the mute icon. So if you unmute yourself, Magnus or whoever is on the main account. Hey, yes, it's Magnus. How's it going? Beautiful. Great. Good to see you again, man. Yeah, good to see you too. You guys have been cooking as always. <laughs> yes, we try to we try to cook sometimes. <laughs> always, it seems like. Since the first time that we met, you've been uh, you've been keeping busy. That's for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. Let me just uh, tweet out that we are live, so everybody is tuning in. Just uh, let's get settled. Grab the popcorn or coffee or tea or whatever people do wherever they're sitting. So, where are you calling in from today, Magnus? I know you are moving. Yeah, from our office in New York City. We have an office in Long Island City. We're moving pretty soon, actually, uh, to Manhattan at some point. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, we got most of the team here. It's actually our on-site, so everyone's uh, everyone's in the office. Beautiful. And how big is the team now? Are you guys uh, expanding over there? Is that why you're moving uh, office or some other reason? Yeah, we're expanding a bit. Um, also, we just want to be closer to where most folks live and be mm -hmm. sort of the melting pot of where a lot of the other crypto offices are but yeah. we're about 18 folks now and expecting to grow up to a, like roughly 25 this year oh wow wow that's been uh, quite the growth since uh, since we spoke the first time at yeah. least yeah so where well, so where's the uh crypto like where, if you are a crypto company or aspiring crypto team where should you go where should you be based in the in new york city then oof um i think different folks will tell you different things um, it seems like there's still a pretty big like ETH squad out in like Williamsburg. Mm. And then for Cosmos, I think a lot of it is centered in like downtown Manhattan. So like Soho area, places like that. That's where like Hyperlane is and UIDX mm. and a couple, a couple other folks. Um, and so obviously, given we're Cosmos, we want to be close to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just generally New York is a great bet to like start your company. Awesome, man. And the legislator, legislators are not coming after you, or I mean, I know it's a it's a bit of a hectic uh, roller coaster over there when it comes to being a crypto company and based in the states. Are you guys feeling the same, or? Uh, I mean, we don't really do that much stuff that I think would be scary. Like, we don't have a token, right? And we don't like. Um, I don't think we were, you know, really in the places where I think the SEC or the IRS or whoever else or the CFTC is looking. Um, but I think once if we are ever in that place, we have to like reconsider a little bit how we organize our company. But it's cool noticing that like, you know, Uniswap is in New York, they're in Brooklyn, DYDX is in, you know, Soho. And these are 
definitely companies that I think the SEC and CFTC know about, uh, and yet they remain, you know. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm uneducated on DYDX actually. If they had any uh, any troubles, uh, but uh, I know Unilabs. They've been, uh, you know, every now and then they get uh, some corner or you know some, some things uh, knocking on their door uh, that they have to answer on. Um, I don't think there's anything that's gonna affect them. But um, but yeah, I've just uh, news that I follow at least. Uh, I know that they've been challenged uh, every now and then. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, as you say, Skip Protocol is not doing a token launch, at least not now. Um, like you're not, you wouldn't be the primary uh, target, I think, uh, anyways, for the time being. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, so uh, I see people are starting to tune in and uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover, as always, because you guys are cooking over there, as we mentioned in the beginning. But before we do, uh, Magnus, uh, as always, we like to give a little bit of a personal touch uh, and know who you are. So for anyone who's been living under a rock, who is Magnus and uh, how did you end up building, working on uh, Skip Protocol? Sure. So, I mean, we started Skip about two years ago now. Um, it started as a Terra-based project. We were interested in building MEV tooling on top of Terra to allow for like fairer markets around arbitrage and backrunning and things like that. Uh, for our first year of existence, we were really building MEV products, right? We were building different kinds of market structures on Osmosis, on you know, uh, Juno, uh, Neutron, et cetera, to sort of permit the fair participation of traders in a system where MEV would flow back to the users of the protocol. And that was a very exciting proposition to us because we saw how MEV was taking place on Ethereum and it was all going to the validators and it was pretty like toxic. You know, there's a lot of front running and sandwiching and we wanted to build a different system that didn't have those things and also rewarded the core people, right? The users, the people who stake, et cetera, um, instead of just like the infrastructure operators and the searchers. So did that for about a year. Uh, we still have a lot of tooling there that people use, you know, very actively. Osmosis uses some of our software called Protorev, which we built. Uh, Mev Tendermint is still used on many different chains. And we also have the Block SDK, which is something that folks are starting to use now, including the Cosmos Hub, uh, to reorganize their blocks and have more capture opportunities. And the main focus we have now is, is not MEV. Uh, it's really on building like the best in class infrastructure to help Cosmos and to help this like sovereign app chain vision come to life. Um, we've been big believers in Cosmos since day zero before, you know, a lot of other folks believed in it. And we stayed with the market through, you know, thick and thin. And we always sort of have this belief underlying everything that things will become more sovereign, right? Like, I don't know if rollups are the answer to that. I don't know if, you know, um, like existing systems are the answer to that. Like my, my answer or like the hope that I have is that people will build more and more blockchains. They'll have their own sovereign communities. They'll have their own independent use cases. And there'll be, be this like beautiful expansion of, you know, different tailor-made infrastructure for individual use cases. And I think that's the most exciting future and the one that we want to build towards. And so we build tooling that helps that vision become a reality. So the two main things we build that we focus on 
um, are Oracle, which I assume we're going to chat about today, which is called Slinky, and the API product, which is what powers Kepler Swap, if you've ever used that feature. Um, the powers IBC Fun, which is a front end that we built, if you've ever used it to do swapping. Um, and it powers a bunch of other things that you may not you know, know about. So for example, it's integrated natively into Trust Wallet, um, which is like Binance's wallet that has a, a ton of volume. It's integrated natively into Leap. And it's also integrated natively into Stride. So, you know, those two products we think are to solve big use case or big problems in the in the interchain. One is UX for the API, and the other one is like secure data uh, data posting and data input from the outside world, which is solved by Slinky. Beautiful, Magnus. And yeah, I can attest to that uh, you guys have been here since ground zero. <laughs> um doing god's work in cosmos uh you just listed many of the achievements that you've uh, made um some people including myself uh, they they love uh, the kepler swap functionality uh, the ibc.fund uh interface uh, i i use it almost on a daily basis <laughs> guild s charge so yeah there's just a bunch of things that people use people in cosmos at least uh, use on a daily basis and uh it's very often that uh, it's uh, using, uh, leveraging technology that has been coming out from the Skip protocol. So just a big shout out to you and your team, Agnes. You're you're really doing a, doing God's God's work here in the in the Cosmos ecosystem. But as you say, you have uh, some quite big announcements on the, the Price Oracle uh, piece of software that you uh, that you shipped not too uh, not too long ago. You call it Slinky. So what is Slinky for anyone who's been living under a rock? Uh, tell us about it and. Uh, and how it's different, perhaps, for, the, for what's out there already. Sure. So Slinky is an oracle, right? So like similar to Chainlink or Pith or something like that, it, will, it is in charge of essentially getting data from off-chain onto the chain, right, in a secure, fast way. Uh, but it's very different in many ways that make it exciting for a new class of protocols. One of the major differences is that it's a restaked oracle. So that sounds, obviously restaking is kind of a buzzword now, but it really is a, a restaking system because what it does is it runs on your chain. It doesn't use a separate chain like Chainlink or Pith. And it uses the native stake on your chain to secure the Oracle operation by using the same validator set to run the Oracle. So basically it looks a little bit more like, uh, you know, like Terra's old Oracle in some ways, because it has a sidecar process that the validators run to input prices. But the way that we built it was it uses some of the newer features of the Cosmos SDK, uh, in particular vote extensions, uh, to essentially encode the Oracle operation as a predicate or as a prerequisite for uh, proper consensus. So basically you tie the liveness of the Oracle to the liveness of the chain in a way that you can guarantee price updates per block. And that's a, essentially a complicated way of saying like you can get much tighter guarantees of when you're going to receive price updates and you can get guarantees that they're going to be a lot more fresh from like when they were queried than almost all existing Oracles or I think all existing Oracles and that makes it a very attractive Oracle for very high performance DeFi applications. So for example, we're currently integrating with DYDX, we're currently integrating with Osmosis, Neutron, we're already integrated with Barachain, and we're also working with Anisha. 
Um, and these are all places that need the performance offered by a system like this. But you know, it's not for everyone. It's not your run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, Oracle that you know is very slow and takes a long time to update prices. Like it's something that is very intense and resource-intensive for you know the highest echelon of DeFi applications. That's awesome, man. And yeah, restaking is becoming a bit of a buzzword, but I think there's a, there's true merit behind it also. Can you talk a little bit about uh, or unpack the uh, restaking aspect? Because you say that the, you're using the same stake on the ch on the chain itself, uh, not you know using a separate chain like Chainlink, for example. It's a good example, I think. Um, so, how is the restaking aspect coming to coming to uh, to life here? Because if you use the same stake on the chain, uh, I think that most people, at least on a conceptual basis, they would think that restaking is like you're almost like compounding it. You know, building up more and more security around uh, the restaking aspects of things. So maybe you can unpack that uh, for us a bit. Yeah, so so restaking is literally what it what it's called, right? You take the stake of something which is already being used to secure some application or protocol. So like let's take Eigenlayer as an example, right? Which sort of is a is a major player in the restaking space. Uh, they are taking Ethereum security, right? So ETH that is staked on validators and they are reusing it to secure a bunch of other things. So essentially what that means is they are putting additional yield on that stake, but also additional risk on that stake. So originally maybe you have one ETH staked and you were only securing the functioning of the you know, Ethereum protocol itself. With restake, you might be securing that and like let's say the operation of an Oracle or the operation of a sequencer for a certain rollup or the operation of a bridge committee, right? Or the honesty of a bridge committee. So you're essentially like, and, and, and if you do those things, you get more yield, but you also get more chances of getting slashed because now if you screw up any of those things, then you'll slash your, you know, your, your primary stake. So it's the same thing for Slinky. So like, let's take osmosis as, a, as an example, right? When you stake with osmosis, uh, you are putting it into a validator, you're delegating to a validator, and you are rewarded if that validator does their job, right? If they properly validate the chain, and then you are punished if the validator messes up, right? And you get slashed. With a restaked system, now the validator has another operation to perform. They're not only you know, validating osmosis, they're also running the osmosis oracle, right? And so by running the Oracle, they're going to get additional yield, which will go back to the stakers, but also go back to the validator. And they'll have additional slashing conditions, right? So for example, if they operated osmosis just fine, but they screwed up on the Oracle, then the stake will be slashed. Um, that's really what the meaning of restake is, right? You subject your stake to additional slashing and reward conditions on top of the original ones that you have. And that's exactly how Slinky works. You know, we use the stake of Osmosis for the Osmosis deployment. We subject it to additional reward and slashing mechanisms. And therefore, we don't need our own token and we don't need anyone else's token. We don't have to borrow the stake from, you know, Ethereum. We don't have to borrow the stake from Bitcoin. We can just use Osmosis's native stake. It's beautiful, man. And um, the target group, you mentioned that DYDX is implementing this, uh, implementing Slinky, Parachain, uh, and a few others. So yeah, maybe you can talk 
because it is resource intensive um it's very high performance um maybe you can talk about that also like why is it so resource intensive um and uh, yeah maybe a bit about the the target group here because uh, naturally um this is a product for any uh, dap or protocol that relies heavily on, on price feeds and, and prices mm-hmm. uh, so verb exchanges uh, d5 protocols so yeah talk to us about the target group here who 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 is this linky bill for yeah um so yeah slinky i think is a best fit for like really high performance DeFi applications um the reason for that is you know let's say you're running a lending market you don't really need prices to update that fast uh the main reason for that is because you know your your application logic is built upon eventual updates and you don't need to have prices that are exactly the same as you know every other exchange Whereas for like a perpetuals protocol, right, like DYDX or Levana, uh, part of the competition that you have with other perpetuals protocols is like the speed at which you can receive updates and the accuracy that you have, right? And like how in sync you are with the overall market, because people will, will market make on your protocol and do that across different exchanges to keep them balanced. And if yours is completely out of sync, traders can lose money and it's just not a very attractive proposition to um to trade right because they'll believe they're getting a worse price or they'll arbitrage your price out to a different one so it's really important for perpetuals protocols in particular to receive very fast very accurate very secure price updates um and what we saw like a couple years ago or i guess like a year ago now year and a half ago is like hold on a second like all of these perpetuals protocols that are huge and great are coming to cosmos for the technology right? They're coming to use the Cosmos SDK and Tendermint. And we wanted to know why, like, what was the reason that DYDX came? It's obviously not for the, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't for the ecosystem. Although I think we have an excellent ecosystem. It's definitely a big change from their existing user base. So it must have been something that was like, uh, technological, right? And as we looked down that route, we realized, okay, well, these really high performance applications need very custom infrastructure to support their application in the best way. And they're willing to sacrifice a lot to get it, right? They're willing to come, they're willing to completely rebuild their protocol and come to Cosmos to get that. And the thing that was missing that we saw for these applications was they all need an Oracle and the there was a very easy or there was a very clear path to building a superior Oracle to the one that they were using, uh, using the Cosmos SDK. Like the way that Cosmos SDK has developed over time, especially recently with vote extensions, you can build this like really, really incredible censorship resistant, super fast Oracle. And no one was really seeing that yet. And so we just thought to ourselves like, well, we want more of these people to come to Cosmos. What if we built something that completed the story? Right, made it really easy to not just come for Cosmos SDK and have all the cool, you know, uh, customization elements of that, but then also come for like an incredible, super powered Oracle. And we thought that would bring more people over, and of course, would be exciting for us as a company to build and work with those teams. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> um, great, great stuff here, Marcus. And uh, one of the things that I think many people who's been in the DeFi and crypto for at least a few years, they um, they heard about at least uh, some of the different attacks and particularly Oracle attacks that's happened throughout crypto. Um, 
maybe not so much in Cosmos, but uh, a lot, uh, at least uh, happening on the Ethereum ecosystem where, for example, you know, an aspiring hacker will be uh, manipulating a uh, price or sending all kinds of price signals um, to an Oracle. Um, and then that price is uh, misguided compared to many other places. And then there's an arbitrage or you can liquidate people if it's a money market. There's all kinds of things you can do when you, uh, uh, if you're able to manipulate the price. Stinky uh, Marco, I see here on ideas.skip.money, uh, put out a uh, post about how Stinky is uh, is preventing Oracle man manipulation, which I think is a huge uh, positive in, in our industry, not just in Cosmos, but in crypto as a whole. So mm -hmm. uh, talk to us about that, how, uh, how Stinky prevents uh, price oracles and how potentially that can be uh, used for all kinds of uh, products out there. Sure. Um, so basically like there, there's very common attack vectors for oracles in general right like what we saw with the levana attack is something that's not like uh it's not new necessarily right so so what happened was um pith which was their oracle and which currently still is their oracle uh requires the protocol to post transactions on their chain to update the local prices so levana was deployed on osmosis Osmosis gets its prices from Pith, but it requires someone to post transactions every block or every couple blocks to actually update the prices on Osmosis, right? According to what Pith is saying. So what happened in this case was, you know, th these are normal transactions, right? They're they're like transactions that are submitted by someone's wallet, signed with Kepler or something else. So like if you submit a lot of other kinds of transactions, you can like force the update transactions out of the mempool. So they don't even get considered by the network. So in this case, what happened was an attacker spammed the mempool like a lot and essentially made it impossible for the Oracle update transaction to actually get posted on chain. But they knew what it was going to be, right? That's the critical part. Like they knew what the Oracle update was eventually going to be. Therefore, they could take out a lot of trades knowing how the price will move and always be in the money. Right. So, for example, if you knew that the price was going to go up, like, or the Oracle price was going to go up by 10%, then what would you do? You would, you know, buy a ton or take out a ton of longs and then let the Oracle update go through. And then you like automatically make money. And vice versa, if you knew the price was going down, that you would want to take out huge shorts. Right. And, uh, you know, you would essentially be able to uh, like have a purely profitable strategy. So that's what happened here. Basically, the attacker withheld the update. You know, took out a bunch of positions that made sense according to what the update was going to be, and then profited massively. And it was considered to be an Oracle attack because the Oracle should have been posted every block, you know, without question. Um, and that would have sort of stopped people from having this unfair advantage. So Slinky solves this very directly by not using transactions at all. Right. So the, the whole issue there was that the Oracle had to compete with normal users for like a update or like a transaction in the mempool, whereas Slinky injects the updates or essentially makes the updates as part of the consensus process. So you can't skip them. Right. You can't DOS them out. You can't like remove them from the mempool because they don't exist there anyway. They exist in the state engine itself. So. With Slinky, like you would have had a guaranteed update at the top of the block, every single block. And so, you know, you can't 
you can't get an unfair advantage by sort of like with withholding the update transaction in the way that happened on Lovana. Um, there's general like generally the way that we see or that we've seen oracles get attacked is when you have a bunch of like intermediary third parties between where the oracle price is received or where, where the oracle price is eventually posted to and where it's originally sourced from, right? So in the case of Lavana and Pith, Lavana was very far away from where the prices came from, right? Lavana is on Osmosis. Osmosis is its own separate chain. And the price updates have to come all the way from Pithnet, which is like a Solana-based blockchain. And the way that they are transferred over is, is via some kind of relayer process, usually done by Wormhole, which is very close to Pith. They're both you know, jump-ish or jump-originated companies. And so if any of those outside systems fail, then you, Lavana, will also fail, right? And there's many of them. There's the relayer part, there's the transaction part, there's PithNet itself. So you're trusting all of these intermediaries to do their job correctly in order for your protocol to operate correctly as well. And if, if any of them fuck up, then you will lose a ton of your TVL, right? Lavana lost 10% of their TVL in that attack, like $2 million. Um, so, you know, Slinky removes all of those, right? There's no more outside trust assumptions. There's no PithNet. There's no relayer. You know, there's no transaction. It's just inside of the chain itself. So you have a lot, and, and you're, you only have to trust the validators to do their job, which you're already trusting because you're deployed on that chain, right? So you don't have any additional trust assumptions beyond the ones that you're already comfortable with. Yeah, it was a sad day to see uh, Levana getting attacked like that. Are they implementing uh, Slinky <laughs> as a result of this? That seems like a natural conclusion <laughs> to me, at least. We chatted to them this morning, actually. Um, we've been chatting to them for a while. I think the plan will be to try to collaborate going forward. And as you know, we're, we're, we will be deploying on Osmosis. And so that will be like a natural evolution for them to use Slinky. And then you know, they're deployed on a couple other places like Injective. And you know, we have to create those relationships and see if we can deploy there too. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, crossing fingers that they will uh, implement something like this to avoid this happening. Uh, what other safeguards do uh, something like uh, Levana have then? I mean, if you met them this morning, I'm sure they are they're thinking about this uh, already. Safeguards that Levana has? Uh, yeah. yeah, so so this was like a, a big thing. So So after the attack, of course, they were scared, right? And of course, they, mm -hmm. they tried to fix it so that they try to fix their protocol so that it would never happen again. But the reality is that it wasn't really their fault, right? Like it, it, it wasn't Lavana's fault that somebody attacked Osmosis and that, you know, there were so many intermediaries that prevented them from guaranteeing that there was going to be a price update. But mm -hmm. unfortunately to fix it, they had to take out, they had to essentially like, um, like remove parts of their great UX in order to do that. So now they delay a lot of order execution until there is a price update, which means that traders have to wait for longer to have their orders executed to make sure that there was an Oracle update and that it was submitted on time. So they basically had to like slow down their chain and their UX in order to accommodate this like system that, you know, is very hackable or very attackable. Um, and so, you know, that's part of, I think, the reason why they're excited about Slinky is like they could remove those safeguards while still having a secure protocol. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
just out of curiosity, Magnus, you guys have been building so many useful things. Um, just Levana with Slinky is a good example of uh, all the all the good that you're doing in the in Cosmos and beyond. What are you guys getting out of this? Like you you developed a, a MEV software that the validators are using. Like how do you guys have a team growing? As we talked about in the beginning, uh, twenty three people. I think uh, you're estimating to within this year. So I mean. Everybody has to eat, right? Especially when you sit in New York City or whatever. Um, so, how do you guys, uh, you know, get something back uh, from all of this? Yeah. Um, well, we are venture funded, right? So, you know, in some ways, we don't have to immediately focus on monetization. Um, and we've had, you know, the fortune of having two great rounds raised by great investors. We're a Series A company, raised about a total of, you know, twenty-one-ish million dollars. Um, so that is sustaining us right now. Uh, we have started to, you know, figure out like financial relationships with our partners. So usually our partners in these situations are the chains themselves. So oftentimes chains will allocate, you know, some amount of funds for major initiatives and, and, and products that they believe to be useful to the ecosystem. So we do have financial relationships with folks like Osmosis and DYDX and Neutron and Initia and Barachain. And those you know, they don't pay all the bills, but they definitely pay some of them. Um, and I think that's the right way to do it because the way that we structure the financial relationships is we have like very strong aligned incentives with the chain itself. So we're, you know, very incentivized to grow the chain because, you know, the way that we're compensated is as a percentage of that growth. Um, and we like that overall, like our whole, our whole like internal model is, you know, we want to grow the pie. And so, you know, we also want some kind of percentage of the pie, right? A small one, of course. So such that when we can grow the pie, like we we benefit from it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's basically as simple as that. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. So um, I want to ask you, obviously, uh, on the back of that question uh, with investors, uh, how does the future look like for, for Skip Protocol? Because uh, to me, it almost seems like you should be a, uh, one of the the great organizations in Cosmos. Cosmos is very decentralized. You know, you have binary, you have informal, you have a DAO, of course, uh, investing or giving out grants. Uh, you guys are becoming almost like a core contributor. I would uh, I would say. Um, so, uh, what's the roadmap from here? Are you are you continuing to, you know, double down on the Cosmos ecosystem, building tech, uh, you know, borderline. Uh, public goods for the Cosmos ecosystem or yeah, how does, how does the robot look like for, for Skip Protocol? Yeah, um, well, we have our two main products now that are going really well and we want to continue pushing on them. Um, the roadmap in the future, we're still a little bit figuring out right now. Um, basically, like we know what we believe, right? We believe in like the expansion of sovereign blockchains. Uh, we know that we want there to be a very vibrant ecosystem around L1s that are all interoperable in some way, could be over IBC or something else. And we know that we wanna build the best in class tooling to support those blockchains and help them thrive. Like we know that that's our, our North Star. I think as we expand and as we grow and as our initial products you know, really start to work for us and work for the ecosystem, we wanna build even more, right? We want to essentially really help Cosmos in the original vision of Cosmos take off and succeed and help build 
the rails between these chains that launch in this ecosystem and help build the fundamental you know, infrastructure that allows that to be a cheap, easy, and scalable process. So you know, I think right now how we view our success is, you know, can we build products for existing chains that you know, help them grow and help them do a better job of whatever they're trying to do? But in the future, I think our metrics are going to be like, how can we help the launch of new chains, right? And start to judge our success based off of how many protocols we can help get launched in Cosmos and be a core part of that system or, or of that process. So, you know, we, we have big dreams. Um, we have been thinking about some really big stuff recently about, you know, a just general new architecture for, you know, how Cosmos could be constructed and how our products can fit into that and, you know, how to do that in a decentralized way. But, you know, we haven't exactly gotten to the answer that we fully believe in. And so, you know, maybe that's uh, a better conversation for our next chat. Yeah, I'm sure this is not the last time that we that we speak. Now that the, we're talking about, you know, future and, and all that, um, you're obviously uh, super into uh, uh, many things in crypto and our industry. And I, I always like to hear from, from an expert like yourself, Magnus, uh, what do you see uh, moving in our space? Like what, what excites you, uh, of course, besides Skip Protocol that's been taken already? Um, but what else out there do you see that, uh, that really excites you? Maybe restaking, you we talked about obviously with, uh, with Slinky. Um, but yeah, any other things out there that you, uh, that you really keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, like, so if you look at all the other blockchain um, infrastructures, right, or, or ecosystems like Ethereum and its L2s or, or Celeste even, like, there is some level of hierarchy in them, right? Like, you're basically, you have some kind of central point that some kind of data or value is flowing to. So, like, maybe it's like a place where you're paying for DA or it's a place that you're paying for, um, you know, security or, or something else. And I'm very interested in Cosmos because it's something that is flat and like really, truly flat, right? Like you are really sovereign and your, your own ecosystem and you're not paying, you know, any of your value or, or centering any of your security on any other platform. And sometimes this is rough, right? Because like, there's no real central point. I know the hub has tried to take this place a couple of times and might have if Adam 2.0 passed. But it's also kind of beautiful in that everyone's really their own sovereign, independent, like, you know, chain, right? And, and their own independent community. And so that excites me a lot. And figuring out how to scale that better is like a very exciting proposition to me. And I think like some of the things that we used to think about that I haven't heard come up a lot recently, like mesh security, are really exciting along those lines because you can have independent blockchains that still share things, right? And what they would mostly share is security. And by building a system like that, you can have kind of like a, some of the parts is less than the whole, right? Or the whole is sort of greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and like, that's a very exciting proposition. Like, how can we get Cosmos closer together so that the whole is like bigger than just individuals, right? And individual chains. Who do you see as the main uh, contributors or actors to be able to do that? Because it's both a benefit and definitely a hurdle for Cosmos that we are so decentralized, especially in terms of how we build things. As I mentioned earlier, like there's binary, there's AADAO, there's the 
Interchain Foundation, of course. There's a, a informal, like many strange love, like there's so many organizations, <laughs> Skip Protocol, of course. Like, how do we, um, do we need like to uh, appoint someone to, to take the lead, for example, the Interchain Foundation and really spearhead this? Or how, how do you see that happen, uh, Magnus, if you have any, any opinion about this, of course? Yeah, I mean, I think like the folks who have historically really championed this vision have included like Sunny from Osmosis and, and Dev. And then I think Jay Cardinal was, was you know, instrumental in sort of helping get mesh security at least to its earliest stages. Um, it is hard, I think, to build something like that and, and that big of a vision when you don't really have like the entire ecosystem behind you pushing it. Um, and so I have seen that effort drop off a little bit, right? And like, I was very excited for it. Like, I really wanted to see that get built. Um, but I'd say like the current main, like the current people who are, you know, basically we owe their thanks for the, the, the existing level of interoperability are for sure like the IBC folks. So, you know, informal is definitely part of that. Um, you know, binary is a huge part of that, building the SDK and all the required tooling. Um, I think Celestia is now becoming a big part of that. They're building a lot of great stuff to sort of like expand the Cosmos SDK to work with rollups. Um, obviously, Comet itself allows for really great interoperability because it has fast finality, which enables IBC to be so nicely usable. So there's a lot of core teams that still, you know, are operating in good faith and helping sort of bring Cosmos closer together and building standards and things like that. And I wish they got more support, right? Like, I, I really wish they did. Um, and I'm not sure how to solve that problem. I've thought about it for a while, but mm -hmm. we also want to contribute, right? Like our, our fair share into, into that story. And so we're figuring out what that could be. Definitely. You mentioned uh, Celestia. I'm uh, curious to dwell a bit on that because obviously we all know the modular uh, narrative is uh, in full swing right now. Um, Dimension came out with a massive airdrop to most people in Cosmos at least. Um, so it's, it's very exciting. Like they have a lot of momentum, um, super solid tech. And uh, yeah, they are total chats uh, building and delivering just like you guys over at Skip Protocol. How do you see uh, Celestia and the whole modularity, uh, modular blockchain narrative uh, unfold from here? Again, there's no uh, wrong answers. This is just uh, what do you see in your crystal ball up there, Max? I don't think I have a crystal ball. I mean, I'm very excited about Celestia. I always have been very excited about Dimension. They're a great team as well. Um, I, I have huge respect for what they've done already. I think when it comes to scaling applications and when it comes to scaling you know, blockchain decentralized applications, I think Celestia is an incredible step forward. Um, you know, the, it just makes sense, right? Like you have so much cost associated with running your own validator set and with storing your own data in a, you know, decentralized secure way. So when you can just do that in a way that is, you know, amortized across a bunch of other folks and posted into a chain that is built to support that kind of data, uh, the cost savings you can get when you're deploying an application are incredible. Um, they're like an order of magnitude smaller. And so what I, what I really like is how Celestia sort of fills in this gap of the application development lifecycle where, you know, the cheapest way to deploy your idea is perhaps as a smart contract. Maybe if you want to go a little bit more expensive and have some more customization, you deploy as a roll-up. And then when you really need your own validator set, essentially like your own data centers would be the equivalent in like Web2 world, then maybe you deploy an app chain, 
right? And I think that intermediate step was missing before. And I think like Celestia is an incredible, you know, uh, an incredible like, uh, you know, product that sort of fills that need. Um, in terms of sort of like the overall vision, I think like, you know, I'm hoping that millions and millions of rollups launch. I'm hoping that some of them become app chains. I'm not pressed if some of them don't. I think like being a rollup is a great place to be. And with the right technology and tooling, you can go very far as a rollup. Uh, you know, as we've seen with like Optimism and Arbitrum are, you know, bigger than most Cosmos chains. Um, so yeah, I, I think like they're just a great addition. Like I only see like value addition coming out of that. Awesome, man. I want to tap into the brain power uh, mechanism over there because uh, I think all these thoughts, you know, um, many of us have them, but uh, you're sort of in the middle of a lot of these things and then sometimes even building out many of the things that we all uh, hope to see in the in the future. So Magnus, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, uh, always inspiring, and uh, we are definitely cheering on um, on uh, on Skip Protocol over here. We used to be called uh, Coin Club, as you probably know. Um, we changed to Whack Me just because we like the sentiment that we all kind of make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, doing spaces, of course, still uh, like these, um, but uh, are starting to focus more and more on newsletter and, uh, you know, blasting out information about what's happening in Cosmos and many other ecosystems. So uh, we'll definitely make sure to keep an eye on, on Skip Protocol and what comes out uh, from you guys. So Magnus, uh, thank you so much for joining. Is there any other uh, stones that were left unturned that you want to get off your chest? Uh, how do you want to close this thing off? I don't think so. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I see Jeet in here. I see some folks that I know. Um, yeah, I mean, as always, just pleasure to be in this ecosystem, pleasure to be able to contribute, you know, very fun. Uh, and if folks want to know more, um, we have our new docs live at docs.skip.money. Uh, we also have, of course, our Twitter, which, you know, I'm speaking from right now, but is at skip protocol. And uh, yeah, reach out if you have any questions or are excited about any of the stuff that I chatted about. Definitely make sure to uh, give Skip Protocol a follow. I mean, uh, not only are you blasting out, of course, what you are launching, but you're also sharing, you know, exciting movements in the, in the especially in the Cosmos uh, space uh, as a whole. So yeah, definitely worth a, worth a follow. Magnus, thank you so much for, for joining and uh, Godspeed to you and your team. Thank you, thank you. All right, see ya. and like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny community uprise. There's 
no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, Yam, Beto, and Bruce. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, the shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit coin Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.